Our reading for today comes from the book of 2 Timothy in chapter 4, and we read this. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This is our reading for this morning. You may be seated, and then if you would all join me now in a word of prayer as we prepare to hear our message today. Heavenly Father, Lord God, it is a privilege for us to be here today, and it is a gift that we get to be here in your presence. Lord, we ask that you would bless us now by speaking your word into our lives. Let us all leave here today with a better knowledge of who you are and what you have done to save and redeem us to you. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brady. If I missed you at the very beginning, my name is Pastor Justin. The pastor here at Grace Hill is wonderful to have you with us. We are in the final week of a sermon series going right through the the book of 2 Timothy. And so if you want to follow along, we'll be in 2 Timothy chapter 4 here today. And we will uh, hop right into it here. Um, Just a quick recap. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is the one who writes this letter. It's the last letter he writes. He's about to die which is essentially what he says in in verse 6. He he says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. A drink offering um, in in the Old Testament church, um, they would sacrifice animals, but also they would even take wine and pour it out as an offering, an aromic offering to God. And he says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering for my departure is near. You know, what we learn from history is this, that right after this letter is written, um, he's killed within a year. And this is the last letter we have from Paul. And Paul has no wife. He has no kids. He has no family. This is, this is the letter he writes to the person he cares most about in the world, to Timothy, a young man that he, he feels like a son to him that he helped raise and train in the faith. And Timothy is a young pastor that Paul left in charge of a church that he planted. And this is kind of his, his final letter. And I don't know about you, but um, from everything I've studied, it says that here in America, the death rate hovers at around 100%. Meaning all of us are going to have this day. All of us are going to have a day where we know the end is near and we're going to want to say something to someone or a couple people. Who would your couple people be? Who are the couple people that you want to make sure you say something before you go? And what would you say? Well, what we get to see laid out before us right here is Paul's letter to his someone. And it's his son, as he sees it, Timothy. And he says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering and for my time is near. And I think a lot of us can relate with part of this because I think a lot of us feel like we're being poured out too. A lot of us feel like all of the things we're doing, all of the things going on in our life, we are exhausted. We are t- Anybody exhausted and tired this, this Sunday? 
after a long weekend with family and traveling and going here and there? Yeah. And, and I think a lot of us can relate to this. So we step back and we say, I'm exhausted and I'm tired too, Paul. I know exactly what you're saying. I feel like I'm just poured out. But the question is this. What was Paul poured out doing? And what are you poured out doing? Because see, I think if you're like most people, we wake up on Monday um, and we drive wherever we're gonna drive and we sell or buy or fix whatever we're gonna do or we learn um, and then we come home and, and then we eat and then we watch something on TV or on you know, the computer or something or, or we just you know, sit and watch you know, Snapchat or TikTok, whatever you kids do these days. Um, and then we go to bed. And then we wake up and we do it Tuesday. And then we wake up and we do it Wednesday. And then we wake up and do it Thursday. And then we wake up and do it Friday. And, and truly, the only prayer of our life all week is, dear God, please just give me to Friday. And that's our life. And that's our life. And what Paul is poured out for is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, what Paul said is, look, I know this life that there is something so much grander, so much better, so much more important, and I'm going to pour myself out to make a difference because God has invited every one of us into the cosmic story of his glory. And he invites every one of us to be a part of it, to live a life worth living. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I'm there on my deathbed, man, I want this life to count for something. I want to lay there and feel like I made a difference. Do you? I want that for you as your pastor. To say, I didn't just go through the motions. I didn't just waste all my, I didn't pour out my life so that my kids could do some hobby that they're never going to do again for the rest of their life. I don't want to spend every night sitting at the soccer field or spend every night doing this and it means nothing in the end. I don't want to spend 80 hours at work and, and, you know, just to make a living so that I can buy my kids a new thing or do this and, and then it means nothing in the end. You work your whole life for some achievement that at the end of the day, what does it matter? See, I want our lives to count for something. Because see, Jesus, it, the scriptures tell us that on the cross, he poured out his life for us. It literally says he emptied himself. That he gave everything he had. And on the last breath, he emptied himself for us. And Paul is saying the same thing. Paul is saying, look, for 30 years, I have given everything I have to this gospel. Because what Paul knows is this, that at the end of the day, you take nothing with you. There's only one thing you take with you to heaven. As you breathe your last breath on this life and then breathe your next into eternity and live forever, there's only one thing that's gonna go with you, people. None of the stuff you have, all that stuff you have, you know what? Everyone behind you is gonna fight over it and argue over who loves you the most. That's what's going to happen to it. All of your achievements, nothing. All of the hours you worked at your job, you know what they're going to do? They're going to hire somebody else to replace you. Nothing. The only thing that matters are the lives and the souls that are with you here and that will hopefully be with you there. And so Paul lays this out to Timothy and he says, look, three things. 
as I'm laying here on my deathbed, three things I want you to know. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. He says, I have fought the good fight. Paul did fight the good fight. For 30 years, he went from town to town preaching the gospel, arguing with people, trying to convince them of the true gospel, and then he would leave that town and other people would come in and be like, that's not really what Jesus said. And then you'd have to come back and argue with them and say, yes, that is really what Jesus said. Don't listen to those people. And there were multiple times that people dragged him out of the city and literally took boulders and stones and smashed him and thought he was dead and left him. And you know what Paul did? he would get back up and walk into the town and preach some more. You want to talk about fighting the good fight? He fought the good fight. He devoted his life to the things that were actually going to make a difference. So let me ask you, in your life, what's worth fighting for? What are you fighting for? Because I think most of us, if we step back, we would sit there and we'd say, these are the things that are important to me. These are the things that I want to happen. These are the things that I want said about me when I die. Okay. Are you living in a way right now that's aiming at those things? Are you living in a way right now that when you die, the people around you that know you, that love you would say, that's what they're all about. That's what I'm fighting for. Because I would imagine most of us, if we were being honest, would say there are battles in front of us that we are not fighting that we should be fighting harder for. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your own faith. Maybe it's, you know, the, the things in your neighborhood. Maybe it's things in society that you're not doing anything about. And you're like, somebody else should do that. And it ought to be you. I mean, that's an interesting question, isn't it? What would you want people to say at your funeral? How would you want your time on this earth to be remembered? I mean, me? I want my kids to get up and say that I was a good dad. That I loved them, that I encouraged them, that I was there for them that no matter what they knew that I, I would be there for them. No matter what mistake they made, I might be angry, but they always knew that I was there for them, that I in some way, shape, or form modeled Jesus to them. I, I hope they would say that. I hope my wife, I hope my wife would say I was a good husband, that I loved her, that I put her first, that I took good care of her, that in the Bible, when it talks about a husband should love his wife like Jesus loved the church, that she would say, you know what? Not every day, but I saw, I saw some of that. I saw that he loved me and he sacrificed for me. And I, I hope some of you would be there. And I hope you would say I was a good pastor. Not that I did great at this or I was awesome at this or like none of that stuff. I hope you would say, he always pointed me to Jesus. He always let me know what the gospel was, that it wasn't about me earning it, that it wasn't about how good I was or how bad, it, it was all about Jesus's grace and mercy and love for me. And that, that would, there was nothing I could do to separate myself from that. 
And you know, honestly, I, I do hope, like as your pastor, I hope you would say that we were friends. That it wasn't just me up here and you over there. Because look, that's tempting for a pastor. That is. Sometimes it's very tempting to, to keep a distance between us so that I can look high and mighty as the pastor. And get, but I don't want that. I want us to be friends. Which also means that there's times that I reveal more of myself and that opens me up to you. Um, what's the word? Some of the shine wearing off on me because I'm not I'm not the pastor up there you see me who I really am but I want that let me ask you what do you want people to say about you what are your kids going to say about you what is your spouse what are your friends what are your neighbors your co-workers going to say about you are you Living in a way that they're going to say the things you want them to say. Are you? Are you fighting the right battles right now? Are you fighting for the things that matter right now? Are you fighting a good fight right now? Second thing he says, I have finished the race. You see, God tells us that every one of us has a race, our own race, to finish. That every one of us, that, that we can f fall prey to quitting, we can fall prey to losing heart, we can fall prey to, to not getting to the finish line. But Jesus says, look, every one of you has a race, every one of you has things to accomplish, every one of you has your own journey. And the number one stumbling block to you finishing your race is comparison. Comparison. You see, and this is what he says to Timothy in just two chapters earlier, or two verses earlier, in, in chapter, verse five, verse five. He says, do the work of the evangelist, discharge all the duties of whose ministry? Your ministry, Timothy. Do what you are called to do, Timothy. Don't be looking around at the other pastors. Don't be looking around at the other people and saying, well, maybe I'm supposed to do that. You run your race, Timothy. And if you just finish your race, and finish well, that's all God asks of you. But too often in life, all we do is we look at everybody else and we say, ooh, I kind of want to run that race. That looks like more fun. Or they have more stuff. Or they have that. Or they get better attention than I do. Or they have a better life than I do. So I'm going to chase after those things and I'm going to run other people's race for them. And I'm going to chase after those. And all the while, I'm getting off track of where I'm supposed to be going. I'm not accomplishing the things that God's laid in front of me. And I'm not going to finish my race because I'm too busy worried about what everybody else has and chasing them and being like them that I'm trying to run their race and God says stop comparing you have your race to run and everybody else has their race to run and then the third thing that he says in that verse is this and I've kept the faith you see Paul had a lot of reasons to give up I mean Paul like I said he was beaten to death multiple times he was imprisoned for just telling people about Jesus. 
And he's getting taken all around in, in prison, and he even gets shipwrecked. I don't know about you, but that would pretty much wreck me. Um, and then once he gets ashore, he's sitting there, and all of a sudden, he gets bit by a viper. Like, you know, the Bible tells us that, that God is not going to give us more than we can handle. For, for Justin Bell, spiders and snakes. Like, just, <laughs> Jesus, there is a point where I will break, Okay. And if I come ashore after being shipwrecked and you bit, have a viper bite me, like I, that might be my time where I'm like, I'm done, I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. And seriously though, there's probably times in your life, if you haven't hit them yet, you will, where you've been done. There are times in your life where you want to give up your faith. Because things are hard. And you're looking around you and you're going, I don't know if loving God is worth it. If this is how God treats the people he loves, why would I stay? You're going through financial hardship and you don't know how you're going to make ends meet. You're going through relational hardship. Your friends at school, it's a disaster. Your, your family, you just got together and you're like, gosh, can we just skip next year? Or you know what? Look, some of the hardest things in life are about to happen to you. There will be a day that you get sick and you slowly die. Or it might happen real quick. Who knows? Can you imagine what it's like to hear that you're dying and you have to just hold on and know what's coming. Some of you know what that's like. Worse than that, some of you might have to sit with your spouse while they go through that. And you might have to slowly watch them die. That's what's coming for you right now. Some of you are going to watch as your spouse gets Alzheimer's and you have to love them through that. Some of you are going to be tempted and wrecked with all kinds of temptations. Some of you battle in your family that there's, there's alcoholism and there's depression and there's pills and there's drugs and, and you constantly feel that draw. And you know it would just be so easy to just jump into it and lose yourself. And Paul says, look, I've had a lot go on in my life and I've had a lot of reasons to walk away. But I kept the faith. Because I, I don't know where I saw this, but, but I wrote it down and I loved it. And it says this, God is enough. Even if he doesn't give me any more, I still have a reason to praise him and he is all I need and he is enough. I mean, that's, that's the prayer. God, you, you already died on the cross for me. You've already taken care of everything I need. If you do no good thing for me for the rest of my life, I still am going to praise you because you're enough and I'm not going to lose hope in you. And then he, he concludes it with this in verse eight. He says, look, there's a crown of righteousness coming for me. 
And in that day, you know, in Greece, when they would run their little Olympics, they would get like a wreath, like, you know, kind of like a Kentucky Derby horse. You know, they would get a wreath and, and he would say, look, I am going to get that, that celebration, that crown, that wreath of righteousness. And righteousness just means right standing before God. That we sinful people that we are, one day we will get to stand before the righteous God who is holy, who is blameless, who is perfect. And we will get to stand before him and he will declare us righteous as well we will be crowned with that and he says that day is coming to all who have longed for his appearing and i love that phrase because you know why because every single one of us was made and created for that moment right there that we look and see god face to face you see the very first man adam he was in the garden god molded the the dirt and shaped him and then it says that god breathed the breath of life into adam's lungs and adam came to life and the first thing that he saw was that he was face to face with his father and God says, every one of you have been created for that day that one day you will stand before the Lord in all of his glory and you will see your father face to face again. And he says, look, that is why this world doesn't satisfy you. That is why no matter how much money you have, you're not satisfied. No matter what achievements you get, you're still not satisfied. No matter what vacation you go on, you still come home and you're tired. It doesn't matter what spouse you get, what kids you have, or, or what anything. It doesn't matter how many people like you on social media or look at your videos or it doesn't matter any of that. You will never be satisfied and that's what you know to be true is no matter what happens in your life, there's a little voice inside of you, a little void inside of you that says, I want more. I'm not happy yet. And that is because the thing that is missing inside of every one of us is the very thing that you have been created for that we all long one day whether you know it or not, inside of every one of us, you all long one day to see him face to face with no more tears and no more sorrow and no more pain and glory forever. Every one of our souls longs for that. And so Paul says, look, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have poured my life out for the sake of Jesus Christ and his gospel. And though I'm probably not going to make it out of this jail cell, Timothy, I want you to know I love you. I want you to know I have no regrets. And I want you to know that what is coming for me is so much greater because my story has been for his glory. And Timothy, I want you to live that way too. C.S. Lewis said this, I hope when I die, all of hell rejoices that I am out of the fight. I love that. Because see, some of you right now, you're like, I don't have a big Paul story. I mean, Paul like spread the gospel all throughout Syria and Turkey and Greece. Like, I'm not doing those things. But God says, no, no, no. Stop comparing yourself. Run your race. You know what your race is? Is just to get those little knuckleheads sitting next to you to heaven. And God's like, brother, I know what a battle that is. Don't worry about anything else. That's it. You do that, well done. And that's your race. For some of you, your race is going to be loving the people in this community and feeding the homeless and share, sharing the good news of the gospel with people that you'll never see again, but that you've done that for. And hell will say, whew, we're glad she's gone. She was, she, did you see all the impact she made just by handing out food and clothes? For some of you, it's going to be just being, being a good gospel witness to the people at your work and God's going to use that 
in ways you can't even imagine. And that's, that's your race. That's your battle. But no matter what it is or who you are, this is my challenge to you. Pour yourself out for a battle that's worth fighting. Whatever the battle is, make sure it is a good, godly battle worth fighting and then absolutely pour yourself out to it. And you finish your race well and there are going to be obstacles coming. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Because at the end, I promise you this, if you pour yourself out and you fight the good battle and you run the race well, in the end, you will lay down your head and with your last breath, you will look at your family and you will say, it was worth it. It was worth it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this day. And Lord, we, we confess that we are, we are poured out, we are busy, we are tired, we are exhausted. But Lord, it's not always for the right reasons. A lot of times it's for our agenda. A lot of times it's for worldly passions and pursuits. And so Lord, let us confess before, before you that we are not always fighting a good fight. Lord, let us confess that there are things we should be fighting for right now in our house, in our world, that we're not. And let us confess that before you. And Lord, let us confess before you that we are not running the race that you have set in front of us. We are so busy looking at everyone else and comparing ourselves and trying to run their races and trying to look like them and be like them and live like them that we're not running the race that you have set in front of us to accomplish the things that you have in store for us. Let us confess that to you now. And Lord, let us confess before you now that we, we do not always keep the faith and maybe right now we're really struggling. We struggle to trust you. We struggle to put our hope in you. We struggle to depend on you or listen to you. Lord, let us keep the faith. Let us hold on even when we have our doubts, even when we have our questions. Let us hold on to you and forgive us for when we don't. Lord, all of these things we lift up in the name of Jesus who died on the cross for our sins, who paid the price and the debt that we owe to you to set us free. It is in his name that we pray and all God's people said, amen. Are you a sinner in need of a savior? Then say, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Well, the good news that I have for you this day and every day is this, is that your savior has come. And he died on the cross for you. And all of the debt and all of the sin and all of the stuff that you have done in your life, all the shame and all the guilt, he took that on himself and he paid the price once and for all and he set you free. So that I get to announce to you once and for all, always, you are loved and you are cherished and you're forgiven by God. And you have your second chance to go out there and make things right. To do things the right way to fight the good fight to live the race to live a life worth living you have that chance 
So go with his grace and his love and his forgiveness. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen.